0: Hello and welcome to this episode of High Performance Nursing. Today we have a phenomenal guest with us all the way from the USA. Today we have Diana Page. She is a nurse practitioner within an outpatient neurology setting. She's a burnout expert and mentor helping exhausted nursing professionals have optimal work-life balance through mentorship, education, empowerment and community. She founded Self-Care Catalyst LLC in 2020 and has helped dozens of nurses find fulfillment outside of work and clarity on their place in nursing through her signature program, the Resilient Nurse Roadmap, and has connected and supported with over a thousand nurses through her social media platforms. She is a leader on topics related to healthcare professional wellbeing and burnout, and is a believer that we are more than a nurse, preach to that, and that we deserve care too. Diana is a self-proclaimed boundaries queen, self-care strategist, and loves a good PTO day. You can learn more about Diana and check out her free resources for clinician well-being at www.selfcarecatalyst.com or check out her Instagram at Catalyst for Self-Care, where she posts daily tips to help you feel empowered to put yourself first and more fulfilled whilst working in healthcare. After all, Diana believes that no one is meant to do life or nursing alone. Hello, you are listening to the High Performance Nursing Podcast with me, Liam Caswell, where I help clinicians just like you take control of their careers and remove all the things stopping you from achieving your biggest goals. Let's dive in. So Diana, can you tell us a little bit about your career up until this point?
1: Of course. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. This is such a delight to be here with you. So, gosh, I actually was a career changer. So, I started out in a research lab as a lab tech. I was a bio major, thought that was kind of my route, and I was going to like do the PhD thing, like that whole shebang, and decided I don't really like this. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was actually my lovely benchmate who was this like Swedish guy who was like, Hey, you know, have you ever thought of being a nurse? I think you'd be really good at it. And I was like, Actually, no, I've never. Thought of that. <laughs> so I mulled it over. And those were kind of words that changed the trajectory of my life. And I quit my job and went back to school and became an NP. And I worked, I've, I've always worked in neuro ever since I graduated from my MP program. And as a nurse, I was working in like a community health center, serving kind of an underserved area, the Boston area, which was really amazing and rewarding. I loved it. So yeah, and here we are. And I started my business mentoring nurses who are suffering from overwhelm and burnout. And it's been such a gift to kind of transition to help my peeps, you know, like help other nurses kind of feel like they're living their best life and being amazing nurses at the same time.
0: Yeah, I love that. A lot of people listening to the podcast often are thinking of changing careers, like within healthcare, within nursing, but some are even thinking about moving outside of healthcare, given the current global situation. And I'm curious, what did it take for you to pivot? Because it's only like you had a really clear career path and trajectory. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people sometimes feel like they can't give that up, like they're going to be missing out or, you know, maybe their family will be concerned about what they're going to say. Mm-hmm. What would you say to those people that are thinking like, I'm a nurse, but I want to do research. I'm a nurse, but I want to do midwifery and I want to really pivot and change. Or I'm a nurse and I want to move out. Mm-hmm. What would you say to them, given your experience?
1: So I love, love, love that question because I've actually worked through this many times with my mentees. Like, first of all, if you want to do something, do it. The thing that gets in our way is fear, right? Fear of what people are going to think or fear of failing or Mm. fear of success even, you know, like, oh, gosh, like there's all these things that kind of come up. I think you know, for me, when I'm making decisions, I really think of like what my core values are. And I really kind of know those now. I did not know those at the time, but now those are something that I'm very clear on. But I I would encourage anyone who's thinking of that to really like think about why they're making a change. Because a lot of times we think the grass is greener, right? Just because we feel horrible in our role. And so it's like, oh, well, if I just do this, things will get better. It's like a bad relationship. You're like, oh, if we just get a new apartment, we'll love each other again. (laughs) Like, no, maybe you should probably just break up, you know, whatever. But yeah, sometimes toxic work environments are like a bad relationship. And you just need to kind of move on from that. But I think that really knowing why you want to move on and like doing it for the right reasons is really important. So like knowing what your values are, if your values are family time, or you know, a side hustle or whatever it may be. Like you should look at the schedule of your job or if you like certain specialties or, you know, you really value research or, you know, continuing to be a leader or what have you. You know, I think for each person it's different, but knowing what that looks like for you and then making sure whatever your next move is aligns with that. So you don't just make a change just because you're miserable and then you get there and you're still miserable and you're like, wait, (laughs) it was supposed to be better. What's happening?
0: So, Mm. I love that response. There's so many things in there that we talk about on this podcast all the time. Getting clear on your values, Mm
2: -hmm. really
0: liking your reason why you're doing something. Yes. So you're not just doing it just as a reaction. And then the final piece there you had was, it's no better in the future than it is here. You know, like you can create whatever it is you want in your life right here, right now, Mm -hmm. if you choose to do the work. And I think that that's a huge missing piece for a lot of people because they do think, and I know because I did it for 10 years, I was burnt out, Miss I went, when I get to nurse unit manager, I can fix the system. Everything's going to be great. I'm going to sprinkle my dust, my fairy dust all over the unit and everybody's going to be loving it. And my leadership's going to be great and I'm going to fix all the problems. Instead of me tapping into what is it that I can control, what can I take back in terms of my power
2: mm-hmm.
0: and what can I realign with in terms of who I am, what I want to offer and how I want to create my life.
1: Yeah. It
0: sounds that. like that's a lot of the work that you do.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. And I think what you just said comes down to like really having realistic expectations for yourself, because I think especially for nurses, we tend to put so much pressure on ourselves to excel or to reach these milestones or to, you know, we work so hard to get where we are. And then we want to be like really good at what we do because we're so passionate and we're, which I think is actually very beautiful about nursing in general. You know, I think it's actually like a really amazing quality that most nurses have is like this commitment to this profession. But yeah, I think having realistic expectations for what that role looks like is really important. Cause of course we all want to like help everybody, but we can't help everybody, you know? And like the problem is, and what you know, I think you and I both talk about a lot is, you know, when we do that and we want to serve everybody around us, we're the ones that get left behind, you know, and
0: Mm. we
1: need self-nurture too. Like we need to make sure that we're taken care of.
0: Mm, I love that. Before we dive into self-care catalysts and all of the amazing work you do there, I would love to explore the role of an NP because nurse practitioner and what it is in the U.S. versus what it might be here in Australia or in the U.K., So can you tell us a little bit about the process of the journey to becoming an NP and kind of what that looks like day to day?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think it really varies. You know, my job. So there's many ways to get here. There's like direct entry programs where you aren't a nurse. And then you have like, for me, I did a direct entry program where I was a bachelor's in biology and I did all kind of the prerequisites, what have you, and then apply to this direct entry program, which doesn't require like a BSN or any like nursing degree before. And then you kind of do this accelerated RN to NP program. That's one way to do it. Many people don't do it that way. You know, they do traditional bachelors in nursing and kind of move through that way. There's plenty of people, there's lots of different ways to get there. So I think that that's like a hard question to answer. But in terms of what we do, it's also very, varied. you know, I worked, I used to work in the inpatient world where I worked on a consult service for neurology. So anyone who had a neurologic issue in the hospital where they needed a consult, we would go, whether it be the ICU, the floor, what have you. And the NPs kind of ran the service on the weekends because the physicians didn't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> the
0: phone calls are too busy.
1: <laughs> uh, we were fortunate enough to have like really good residents, but yeah. So, I mean, NPs work, you know, they can... Assist on surgeries, they can work in the outpatient world, they can work in public health. I mean, they can run their own practice in some states. You know, in Maine, you can have your own practice as an NP. So there's a lot of flexibility to the role. You know, there's NPs in leadership roles, you know, there's NPs who choose not to be at leadership roles, but there's various specialties that you can work within.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. So, you know, you can work on a cruise ship if you want. (laughs) You know, there's like so many things that you can do as an NP, but I personally work in the outpatient world now. I was in the inpatient world and burned out hardcore. Mm-hmm. And so I transitioned to be solely outpatient in 2014. And that's, I work with patients with, who suffer from epilepsy. So that's kind of my niche subspecialty subspecialty, <laughs> but it's great. I love it. And I have a great team and, you know, it's it's a great schedule and I have a great gig. I, I really can't complain.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you're making your career work for you, which is like I think what we both preach
1: mm-hmm.
0: within our kind of programs and our coaching is: you know, design your career to fit you in your life. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little different here for the Australian listeners. I believe the nurse practitioner role is a very kind of senior role that people work towards in their career, and they do the BSN or their bachelor's first, mm-hmm. and then they top up with a masters down the track. Yeah, I'm not sure if we have a direct entry into nurse practitioner. A lot of people do that here um oh awesome oh cool
1: i wouldn't say the direct entry is like the common way to do it i would say that that's not the majority i would say the majority is exactly what you said like you know people right you know work as a cna and then they kind of go to a you know rnbsn whatever lpn whatever degree nursing degree they have and then kind of work that way and kind of go back to school but yeah
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, awesome. Okay, cool. So it's quite a similar process then. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I love that. In quite an autonomous, self-directed, very senior, advanced clinical role, a lot of people are drawn to that kind of autonomous working. How do you find it?
1: I mean, I love it, but I have a really supportive work environment. So I was in a very unsupportive work environment. And I think that your environment kind of predicts that that feeling. You know, I know many Friends of mine who I went to NP school with that are in kind of toxic situations where they don't feel like they have autonomy, where they're micromanaged, or you know feel like they don't have a lot of control over their schedule, or you know have adequate admin time, or you know there's all these expectations but not adequate time to do those things. So I think there, I think it varies. I work with three attendings who are all epileptologists. They're kind of very again subspecialized. Mm-hmm. Then I, you know, have a team of like five nurses, all of which are like super competent, amazing human beings that I adore. Like we hang out in real life, like go out for <laughs> drinks and stuff, mm-hmm. but that's like, that was not my work environment before. Like I have got along with the NPs, but mm-hmm. it was a very much like uh, physician centric environment and, you know, it was incentive compensation for the physicians. And thus it became very like toxic where, you know, there was a lot of like downstream <laughs> Mm -hmm. dumping to kind Mm -hmm. of get those, you know, those billable hours. So it, you know, I think it really depends on where you are, but yeah, yeah, I think it can be very autonomous and really rewarding. I mean, being an MP is fabulous. If that's what you want to do. A lot of people don't want to do it either. You know, a lot of people love bedside nursing or love, you know, what they do. Otherwise, I mean, I'm kind of a big believer in like you do you, you know, whatever you feel works for you. Like, some people don't want that level of, you know, Mm. like, they don't want to diagnose. They don't want to do that stuff, which is fine.
0: Yeah, I love it. I think it's great that we're pushing forward and advancing the scope of practice within nursing. I think that's amazing. And I love seeing that. I love seeing people being at their optimal high, performing self, you know, as a clinician, as a human. Totally. So I think it's amazing to see what will happen in the future around this space mm-hmm. and the capacity of the role of an NP is just fabulous for our patients I know, and to see, it's very empowering for us working clinically as well to see people operating at that level and pulling those physicians up and those doctors and be like, Hey, <laughs> uh-uh, oh, <yeah>. no. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I think too, like over time, the culture is going to change. I think, you know, where that, is now is different than what it was like ten years ago. Mm. You know, there's often times where like, like I, just the other day, like we run the headache clinic where I work. The NPs, but we have to like s- kind of staff it with a physician. And you know, one of the physicians was like, he's like, you know, more about this stuff than I do at this point. Like, like I'm sure, whatever you say. <laughs>
0: like, yes.
1: Yeah, and it's like that's like I was like that's a really nice compliment. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, when well, he's you know because you do feel like you you know become an expert at something, and it's nice to be noticed as. Someone who's like a peer and not like a anything but that, you know?
2: Mm,
0: so. Yeah. Amazing.
2: I
1: mean I would say like more, but you know, whatever.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I love that.
2: I love that.
0: So moving into what you kind of specialize in and what you talk about a lot, burnout, the dreaded B word, burnout, that bloody thing that affects all of us in our career, unfortunately. Tell us about your experience with burnout. How did it show up? What was the experience for you? And kind of what was the trigger?
1: Yeah. So it's a funny question. So I actually was taken by surprise by burnout, which is partially why I'm so passionate about educating, especially like new nurses, new grad anyone, like whatever your role is in healthcare. And really this is all stuff that we should be taught in school is my personal belief, but... Mm. It definitely took me by surprise. I didn't know that I was suffering from burnout, quote unquote. I knew I was exhausted. I knew I was irritable. I knew I was apathetic. I knew I was feeling very taken advantage of. I knew that, you know, there were all these things that I was unhappy with. But I honestly, at the time, thought it was me. Mm. I thought it was me. I thought I wasn't good enough. And again, it goes back to that confidence stuff, right? And all that's like, I know that, like, I'm going to say this and people are going to be like, yes, girl, like, I feel you on this because it's true, right? Like, you graduate, you think you're like ready to go. You're this, like, I mean, at least for me, I was like, I am so ready to get in the game and like do the dang thing, right? And make a difference and like be an awesome NP and just like kick butt and be the reliable one. And then you're like, at least for me, I'll speak for myself. I was like a people pleaser. I did not have boundaries at all. I didn't even know what a boundary was, which is now I'm like a self-proclaimed boundary queen because I'm like (laughs) so protective of that now. But yeah, it definitely took me by surprise. It took me like three years to really realize like how unhappy I was.
2: Mm. And then
1: it took me like another year to really like be like, okay, this isn't me. Mm. (laughs) This is like all of this around me, right? Like. So that's something that I know you and many people talk about is like burnout is not because we are in some way deficient or some way like flawed It's that we are in, we are operating in like a flawed environment, right? So yes, there's plenty of things that we can do, like know how to set those boundaries and take that time for ourselves and self-advocate and whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, it's not that we are bad human beings. So Mm -hmm. so yeah so I ended up leaving that job (laughs) it was my 25 cents an hour raise that put me over the edge (laughs) (laughs) and I was like you know what I'm done I can't do this anymore (laughs) so I left and which was actually bittersweet because I actually liked a lot of the people I worked with you know I kind of not obviously the toxicity but there's people I still talk to now but yeah and then I moved back back to the homeland back to Maine where I grew up and And started my current job which is a much better fit for me and it was one of those things like we talked about earlier like looking at your values and really like okay well what do i want my life to look like and let's have the job kind of not you know define my life but kind of be the thing that's extra and i live the life you know
0: Mm. yeah That's so good. And so beautifully said, when you really step back and you look at the system Mm -hmm. and you look at yourself within it, and I hear it a lot in coaching with nurses and just chatting to nurses, like almost Mm -hmm. like there's a missing piece, right? Like we're like 95% whole and complete, but there's just something. And if you're listening, you are 100% complete, 100% worthy of anything and everything that you want to create in your life. Mm You just have to start taking action to build it and create it. Right. I think there is a general feeling, and I don't know what your experience of this is. I think there's a general vibe like someone is coming. I had this vision you know, for years in my career. Someone's going to see that I'm amazing. Someone is going to see <laughs> that I am a great clinician, a great leader. And I mean, it's delusional looking back on reflection. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of people that sit in that space, stuck, mm-hmm. not taking action, not moving forward because they're waiting for the tap on the shoulder. I heard this the other day. Somebody said, oh, I've been building my reputation this, in this unit and I'm just waiting for the right opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, no, you're going about it all wrong.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh-uh. Like you have no reputation in this unit. Like tomorrow, if they could get rid of you, they will. <laughs> and that's a harsh reality of it.
2: Mm-hmm. You
0: need to create the opportunities for yourself within your career mm-hmm. that aligns with your values, your why, your mission, mm-hmm. and like what you want your legacy to be moving forward. So I love that you touched on that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's like one of those things. I mean, I don't know. I think with any action taking, there's always that fear, right? I mean, that's the thing that keeps coming up. Mm. It's when everything a big change. You know, even if you're like, oh my gosh, like this is 100% the thing that I want. This is going to be so great. It's like, "Oh, but what if it's not?" <laughs> you know?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: So, I don't know. I mean, I'm a firm believer in action taking and at the end of the day, like when things go right, go wrong, even if it goes wrong, it's just feedback, right? Like failure's just feedback at the end of the day. That's all it is. Yes. And without failure, we don't grow. So, mm. like I used to fear it, and now honestly whenever I feel that like unsettled feeling it typically means to me that I'm in the right direct like I'm going in the right direction
2: mm.
1: you know because that discomfort is what we grow from right if it was the path of least resistance yeah, for sure we're not gonna it's like we stay where we are and we're like oh this is so great la, 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 la. <laughs> you know yeah. yeah. But it's like we put ourselves out there and we like just go out of our comfort zone just a little bit you know like we have those hard conversations we set those hard be like you know whatever ask the person out on a
2: date I
1: whatever it's like well cool if they say no what's the worst that can happen you don't burst into flames
0: you
1: know, <laughs> yeah move on yeah, I,
0: I hear you no. i wonder given your experience in you know burnout self-care all of the things boundary setting. Do you think that as clinicians, we just have like a really low failure tolerance because of the realities of our work? I often think that because at work, we can't really afford to fail as such. You know, like I'm an ICU clinician. If I go to work with a mindset like, well, oops, if something happens, then something happens. Like it's critical. Right. I do feel like we've been conditioned to believe that failure is a really bad thing. And then we have this like cognitive dissonance between failure we need to fail to succeed and to grow and develop, Mm -hmm. but then failure in our world can mean a life. Mm -hmm. Like how do you help people move through that? What are your thoughts about that?
1: Yeah, that's an amazing question. I think that at the end of the day, like that stems from the idea that we're in some way like superhuman, right? Like we, the expectation of society or whoever, right? Mm. It's like the, you are heroes thing. It's like this, like we're held on this pedestal that we're in some way superhuman and we're not, you know? And that's why, you know, a lot of times, like I talk about the fact that we're humans first, right? And that comes not only to this stuff, but also just like the self-care and the self-nurture and the self-love and all the stuff that we've been talking about. But I think like living on high alert is just so unhealthy, right? It's like like living in that fight or flight, like... God, like today's the day I'm going to like do something terrible. Like I'm not like, you know, that self-doubt creeps in. And like, it's just, it's just a terrible way to live. And it's not good for your mental health, to be honest, you know? Mm. So I think like giving ourselves grace and like, you know, by giving ourselves grace, quote unquote, is really just self-forgiveness, right?
2: Mm. Even
1: if you haven't done anything wrong, just saying like, okay, man, you're an imperfect person and that's okay. Like, yeah, you don't want to kill anyone. You don't want to make a mistake that's devastating, so you do your due diligence, you, you know, get good sleep. So you're focused, you do the best you can to do well in your program. So you graduate feeling like, you know, what you're doing, like you do things in your power, but there's a lot that's out of your hands, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's like, you can't like live in this hypothetical state of like, oh my gosh, like the most terrible thing's going to happen. And how could I even do that? Because if I do then I'm not this perfect person like that, like perfectionism in nursing is just such a toxic thing, right? <laughs>
2: it's so unthinkable.
1: And it's something that I think most of us really struggle with.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think, you know, perfection is, I mean, we could talk about this topic alone for like hours. Mm-hmm. It's just really, I believe stems from this, like this idea that we're told even in school, right? Like that, you know, you have to excel. You have to like, there's all these like expectations that start from And some of this stuff, honestly, goes back to like childhood, to be honest, like a lot of people. You know, where you're told, like, you know, you need to get certain grades, and we want you to be this, that, the other thing, whatever. Mm. So yeah, I think it's complicated, but at the end of the day, we're humans first. It's just a fact.
0: Yeah. Your answer to that is just phenomenal. For those listening, it is 9 o'clock, I think, in Maine, uh, where Diana is, Moment (laughs) 9.30 (laughs) in the evening. (laughs) And you're like absolutely smashing it. So thank you so much for sharing all your skills, wisdom, knowledge. No, I'm I love not. your response to that, and I can't wait to go back and hear that because I do think a lot of people operate on that high alert the whole time. I did, mm. and you're right. It's a chronic stress state. It is not healthy. No, it's like almost always being in an interview, just thinking about the work that mm-hmm. I do. So it's like, when you go into an interview, you're fight or flight And you think that there is danger in that room and there's such fear.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How would you advocate or what tips would you offer for nurses to start working through the fear? Because mm. it's always going to be there. It's always going to come up. Mm-hmm. There's never a day where you just become the NP and, like, no longer you have the fear. Like, it still is there. You just learn how to manage it better. Mm-hmm. So what would you offer?
1: So that's also, you're so good at asking
2: questions.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so fear. So typically the first thing that I typically like work through someone with is just knowing how to even identify it in the first place. Right. Like what does fear even feel like to you? Right. Some of us like it's like a gut thing or it's like we break out in hives or like our heart starts to race or we're just like, we feel like our jaw is super tense or whatever, whatever like those cues are for you to know that you're kind of in this like height alert state. It's important for us to recognize because I think for me, a lot of why I didn't recognize burnout is I wasn't like checking in with myself. I wasn't doing any sort of like Hey, girl, like, where are you at? How are you feeling? What's, what's <laughs> up? Um, which is something that I do religiously now. But when it's like the fear response to any sort of thing, it's important to recognize it first. And then it's like, okay, well, what am I afraid of? Mm. Like, what am I really afraid of? Because that's like a lot of times we tell ourselves like, oh, like, whatever. But no, like, what are you really afraid of here? And sometimes it takes a minute or it takes time to like journal that out and really like think about it. Like, okay, like I'm really scared about this interview. Well, why am I so scared? Okay, well, I'm afraid of not getting the job. Okay, well, what does that bring up? You know, okay, well, it's fear of failure. You know, like it really can go through like pretty, it can go pretty deep, right? It can go into a lot of limiting beliefs about self-worth and whatever it may be. So I think there's a lot of exercises actually. And if you want, I was going to give you the boundaries freebie, but I actually have like a really great, like journal prompt book of just like fear stuff,
2: mm. which I think
1: is super valuable. And I think that it comes up a lot with action taking and I can send that to you and you can like give it to your listeners if you want.
2: Yeah, amazing.
1: But yeah, I would say first again, identify what it feels like to where is it really coming from mm. and then feel the fear and do it anyway.
0: Yes. Yes. That's so good.
1: You know, like, I'm sorry, but that is the, that is the deal, Yeah, you know? And again, I think fear is something that I personally have worked through a lot in my own coaching, in my own like personal development stuff. Like this is something that I struggled with a lot early on. So that's why I feel pretty like passionate about it. Cause I really think like, once you can recognize it and call yourself out and like recognize what it's really coming from, it's really that it's not, there's no like saber tooth tiger, right? Mm-hmm. It's like,
2: mm-hmm. It's just
1: our brain trying to keep us safe. <laughs> that's all it is. Yeah. And a lot of times we're getting triggered in flight or flight, but it's not actually something that's life-threatening. Yeah.
0: You know? And we believe that it's factually true. Like we always think that whatever comes up, one of those 60,000 thoughts that we have a day mm-hmm. in our brain, and we think that all 60,000 of them are true and factual. Yeah. And, you know, often, like, I love what you talk about. <laughs> they're, like, finding it all down. They ain't true. Like, they ain't bloody true. And they're not yeah. serving you. The
1: majority of the time, they're not true. <laughs> <laughs> they're not fact, for, for reals. We I mean, think about it even, like, when you're thinking about, like, oh, God, like, imposter syndrome, right? Like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm such a fraud. No, that's not true. It's a terrible thought. And the key is to look for evidence in your life where you know that's not true, right? Look at evidence, right? You passed your nursing program. You got a job. Like people saw something in you. They hired you for a reason, right? There's all these things that you can find in your life that support the opposite.
0: Mm, Yeah, for sure. And I love what you touched on there. And I just want to reiterate that that when people... People still believe that, you know, we're being chased as, like, cavemen or something. Cavemen and cavewomen. Like, yeah. we don't live in that state anymore. We don't need... We still operate in that sense, in that, you know, way in terms of managing our brain and thinking that everything is out there to, like... Eat us or kill us. Yeah, but it's not true anymore. Like the worst. Thing-
1: normal, like like good fear, right? I mean, if you're like in a back alley and like someone yes. just like that's like normal good fear. Yeah, like that's a good time to go into fight, or flight, and like run. But yeah, no, walking into an interview and yeah. you know, or like your first day on the job, no, yeah, you're good, you got this, and there's a lot of reasons why.
0: So much control over that. Like, we have so much control over that. And mm-hmm. you talk about this a lot. You talk about taking back your power.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I love your website, by the way. You've got a fabulous website. You definitely need to check that out.
2: Oh, thank you.
0: Taking some inspo from that. But you talk about on their boundaries, and you self-labeled yourself earlier as a boundaries queen.
1: Yes.
0: Tell us why boundaries are so important in a nurse's career and how we could start implementing them or playing around with boundaries.
1: Oh, my gosh. How are they not important? <laughs>
0: So important. They're so
1: important. Oh my gosh! So, so I, one hundred percent, think if I had had healthy boundaries in my first job, like burnout may have come, but I definitely would have been in a far better place. So boundaries are important, basically, to keep your sanity. <laughs> number one,
2: mm-hmm. right? We
1: all have limits. We cannot operate beyond our limits. It's not sustainable, right? We all have bandwidth, and I always think of it like a you know, a lot of people think of it as like a battery. I kind of think of it as like a bank, right? We've got our little energy like bandwidth bank, right? And you like make deposits, you make withdrawals and like, it's a dynamic process. And if you don't have boundaries in place, then you're overextending yourself, you know, for saying yes to too much overtime. It's like, okay, well, you know, now what? Now I'm exhausted. Now I feel terrible, you know, and then expectations get set, right? Too. like, actually one of my mentees, she's like the sweetest, cutest, amazingest new grad nurse in Canada, She took like six shifts in a row. She's a new ER nurse. And I was like, oh no, (laughs) no, 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 no. no, This isn't a good idea. And so of course it was not a good idea. So we talked a lot about boundaries and that's like now something that she's like very tuned into, but it's like, okay, like the people pleasing gets in the way sometimes. Right. Mm -hmm. And feeling like you have to prove yourself comes in the way. Yeah. But boundaries are something that I mean, I always like to say that it helps you love yourself and, you know, others too, right? Because if you have healthy boundaries, whether it be like with my kids, right? If I didn't have boundaries with my kids, they'd be like insane. They would want like gummies all the time. You know? <laughs> like, no, it's better for them. It's better for me. Like, it's a healthier thing. And sometimes people don't like boundaries, right? Because they want what they want. Mm. So like when we say overtime, people are like, come on, just do it or take the extra shift, whatever. But it's like, that's just because they think you shouldn't have a boundary doesn't mean that you shouldn't have a boundary. Mm. Like if the boundary is important to you, then it's important, period. You know, and you can't get bullied or convinced otherwise, right? And the more we kind of flex that boundary or say like, okay, yeah, just this once, then it becomes an expectation. Like with Pippa, she, like people would always ask her for extra shifts. Like, Hey, can you cover me? Can you cover me? Can you cover me? Cause she would always cover people. Yeah. So that expectation gets set. Right. And if you don't want to be that person, then you need to say like, actually let me, my big thing is like, just have a line. Like, let me check my calendar and I'll get back to you. Yeah. Cool.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's all you have to say. Right. Buys you time. Yeah. And then you can like, it's like, okay, where am I at? Do I have the bandwidth for it? Do I need the money? Whatever. Or am I like, no, I'm tapped for the week. Like, I really can't do that, you know, and then you can, but yeah, I mean, boundaries, man, I could talk about for eternity. Like I'm actually working on a boundaries course (laughs) because I think it's so important, but there's like definitely some nuances to like how to set them and how to self-advocate appropriately, you know, where you're not, you know, crying in front of your boss. Not that I've done that, but you know, there's lots of healthy ways to do it. But I think the biggest thing is like identifying where it really needs to be set and then realizing that you're worth it.
0: Mm. Yeah. Cause you're the only person you end up letting down is yourself. That's right. Like that's what I'll find when yeah. you're, I'll take that twelve-hour shift, or you know, I'm on an evening shift, and now I'm going to stay and do the night shift and work a sixteen-hour. Yeah, like it's disgusting. It is just that is never a good idea ever, mm-hmm. no matter how much money you need for that new MacBook or whatever you're buying. Like, <laughs> you I know, just work, save the money, and and I like to always remind people that if you, you know, work your normal shifts, don't work extra shifts. Um, but if you're building your career and you're working through that, like a great way of maintaining your boundaries and being true to yourself is just by scheduling your time
1: oh, 100%.
0: in advance for that whole week. You know, don't just book in your shifts and then leave the rest of your life willy-nilly. Mm-hmm. Think about it and go, right, well, actually on my days off, I've got this planned. So when they ask you, you've made plans ahead of time
2: Totally, and
0: you're already deciding, uh, sorry, I've got something on, you know, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. I think we live too much in the moment. And when we're operating from that place, we don't always make the best decisions for ourselves, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I think a really important like maybe hack to remember is like when you say yes to something, like just think about what you're saying no to, right? Because if saying yes to that extra shift says no to like the date night with your partner that you promised or, you know, that exercise class you really have been wanting to do or whatever it may be, like, is the trade-off worth it, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And a lot of times, again, you're right. We just operate in this place of, like, fight or flight, like, yeah, sure. You know, you want to be, like, the people pleaser, helper, or whatever. But, again, like, unless you look out for you, people aren't going to do that.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: you're like, sweet, I get off. Like, she's going to cover me, whoop, whoop, you know? <laughs> and not to say, like, people are unkind. It's just, like, people are tired. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So.
0: And people are always looking after themselves, you know, ultimately.
1: Yeah, so
2: awkward. Look after yourself.
0: Like, you're always looking after yourself. So don't be fooled that they think that, you're, you know, okay. you're amazing and they love you even more. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't happening. I love that. So you talk a lot about reflection and you talk about the importance of reflection, and I totally agree. Sometimes in nursing school, I don't know what it's like in the US, but, you know, we used to all roll our eyes at reflection. We'd be like, oh, my goodness, again ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> it's like really does this even work like, how does this help
2: I know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we're too cool for this but now I see the value in it and clearly you do too mm-hmm. how can nurses really strategically kind of optimize reflection to help them kind of detach mm-hmm. and move away from the shift
1: mm-hmm. yeah so I've always been a reflection person I've like always been a journaler even like Very, I actually found my journals recently from like when I was a teenager. I'm like, oh my God, I can't even imagine. Um, (laughs) X, O, X, O, no. Um, (laughs) So yeah, so I've always been like a big believer in that and more so in the past, you know, whatever, how many, ever many years since 2014, you know, when I really got more serious about looking at it in terms of my job and making sure that I was gonna like prevent ever feeling burnout again. Cause I was like, that sucked. Like, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> and I really liked my job. Right. I like what I do and I didn't want burnout to take that from me. Right. I didn't want it to like ruin everything. So for me, the place that it's been hugely helpful, and this is something that I talk about a lot is the idea of a post shift reflection.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: like before you even leave the parking lot, or, you know, if you have a quiet space near, you know, where your workstation is or whatever, just taking like five, 10 minutes max, like even five minutes, just to like, ask yourself a couple questions. The key questions being, what am I feeling right now in this moment? Mm-hmm. Because if you don't name the feeling, it's really hard to move through it. Right. Yeah. Again, we're like in the spider flight, like we leave work, we feel overwhelmed. So we hop in the car, we're like, we just want to get home. I just want to get home. Right. But then you get home and you're like, "Ugh, I'm so tired. I don't even want to cook. Like, ugh, I just want to like sit on the couch, let down, whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's not really serving you. Right. So ask yourself, what do you want to feel? Second question should be, what do I want to feel? Mm-hmm. So what do I actually want to feel right now? Like what would be a better feeling? <laughs> what do I wish I was feeling?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then the third question is what is one thing step one to get to that feeling.
2: Mm.
1: Right. So if it's like, I really want to feel calm because today's been crazy. Okay, cool. What's one step. You know, when I go home, I'm just going to like take a shower and like, whatever it may be, or go for a walk or listen to a podcast, or I'm going to cook that recipe I've been thinking of. It just gives your brain like this target of something else other than like the default mode of burnout and overwhelm, which typically is like this path of least resistance that doesn't serve us because we're just tired, right? But the effort it takes to do these intentional actions that actually do serve us isn't that hard. Mm-hmm. It's just we don't check in with ourselves. Mm-hmm. So what do I feel? What do I want to feel? And what is step one to get to that feeling? Those are like the three non-negotiable ones. And then if you have time, ask yourself, like, what was a win for today? Like, what did I really do? Like, really well today? Like, what was a win? Even if it's little, like, oh my gosh, like I gave great report or like, oh, like I helped this colleague and it felt really good. Or, oh, this patient gave me a compliment or whatever it looks like for you. It can be big, small, whatever. I got a promotion, whatever. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Celebrate it because we're so quick to put ourselves down. We don't celebrate wins and the wins are what helps boost our confidence. Mm -hmm. So I could go on. There's like, you know, a bunch of other ones that I like, I have a post-shift reflection tool, but if people, they can download it in my bio, but it's honestly been a game changer for me. Like now I just use it on like the hard days. I don't use it every day, but when I was tapped, I was using it every day mm-hmm. and it really did help a lot.
0: I can see how beneficial that would be. And those questions are so good because it it's very cleverly like putting you back in power. Of you <laughs> yeah. and what you want to feel, rather than that spiral that happens when you leave work and it's been a shitty day, and you get out, and it's like, oh my god, she did this, and then he did that, and this happened. There was a med call here, and the doctor was rude to me, and so on and so forth. Yeah, and you just spiral, and then you go home and rehash it again yeah. with your partner. If you don't have boundaries, like, I was so good at that. being like, can yeah. you believe this? And my partner works for the government, and he's like, oh. Oh what, like. God. What are you talking about? I have no clue. What, what is a, like, a non STEMI? Like, what is that? Hey, my husband has
1: no medical background.
0: He's like, I don't oh. Know. And then I get angry because the, he doesn't understand. You right. know? I really love that process of just being like, what do I want to feel? Mm-hmm. Like, whatever you want to feel in that moment is available to you. Like, what do you want to feel? 100%. And then just go for it. And make it, you know, whether it's listening to something that's soothing or calming on the way home or
1: your hype song, you want to feel energized, like, come on some whatever, like, yeah. yeah and honestly, that's a question literally you can ask yourself anytime, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's something that you, if you're like at your workstation and feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling so defeated right now, like, cool. What do you want to feel? How, what's one thing to get there, right? And it can be little, it can be like, you know what? I actually need a snack. I'm really hungry and I'm tired and I need energy, (laughs) you know? And we just don't check in like that mindfulness of just being in the moment and knowing where you're at mentally, physically,
2: Mm.
1: it's an act of self-love, right? It's so important and it really helps you feel cared for, you know?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. I, um, could talk to you all day. I feel like we're kindred spirits.
2: I feel like we're definitely on the same way. I know, I wish we down the road. We're
0: on the same <laughs> wavelength for sure. Um, oh. We definitely will have to do this again. Totally,
2: I would love it.
0: Because I think there's so much that we haven't covered that we could cover.
2: No, we could talk, yes, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's, you know, it's funny, even though globally everybody's going through the same thing, I think sometimes you forget that. Yeah. I think a lot of people listening will be like, caught up in working in sydney australia or out in western australia or maine Mm -hmm. in the u.s and even though it sucks like that we're all going through a similar thing it's nice to know that we're all experiencing it together and that we can share that experience and come out the other end of it better high performing clinicians that are invested in their Mm self-care and creating the life that they want to create So where can people find you and what are you offering at the moment in terms of courses and how can people work with you?
1: Mm, Yes.
0: Tell us all the things. Oh my gosh.
1: All the things. So I hang out mostly on Instagram. So it's at catalyst for self-care. We talked about why. (laughs) (laughs) My website is www.selfcarecatalyst.com. That has information about mentorship. It has like testimonials. It has all the, the info. And then, Instagram actually has like just a ton of information. If you guys are looking for resources, there's like tons of free resources on my website that you can download. There's the post reflection tools on Instagram that you can download. That's free. I really try to put as much like free stuff out there because like, honestly, I want, like, I want to be a resource and I want to be helpful
2: mm-hmm. for people
1: that feel they need more individualized support or want to be part of like a group program. I do have mentorship, you know, I've mentored, gosh, like almost 40 nurses at this point or 40 nurses at this point, which has been so rewarding. And it's a 12 week program. It's honestly amazing. The group right now is incredible. It's like they're, it's like the sisterhood or, you know, personhood, whatever you want to call it. But I just firmly believe like we don't need to do nursing or life alone. Right. So it's a lot of like, the mentorship is more of like a, a combo of the mindset, inner work, like these foundations that we've talked about today, mixed with like actionable tools for the workplace, like burnout prevention and navigating time mm. in the workplace and like really actionable tools. So like that, I honestly believe we should have learned in nursing school mm. personally. Mm. So that's like my group program. I do one-on-one mentorship if people prefer that. And actually I'm doing like a workshop. I don't know when this is going to air, but... It's on the 21st of March. I'm going to be doing workshops once a month on different topics. This month is productivity. Amazing. And when we think of productivity, we think of like doing, but this is not just the doing. It's about, again, values and like what does productivity even mean, right? What does it actually look like to you? What are your values? What are your goals? And what are the actions that align with that? And then like making all the hacks for like getting the crap done you have to do (laughs) that you don't want to do (laughs) So that's the the lowdown but my dms are always open guys like if you ever need support i mean liam knows like i'm always i'm always around
0: fabulous amazing thank you so much for your contribution and i love your tagline there jenna no one has to do life or nursing alone and i could not agree more one of the best things that i'd ever did was get a coach and a mentor outside of the workspace to be able to grow to become the best person that I could possibly be oh as a clinician but also just as a human. Yeah. Because you know, it's not all about work. And that's a lesson that <laughs> I think we're all yeah. learning. And you say this beautifully, you're more than just you know not just a nurse, but you're more than a nurse. Yeah.
1: You know? yeah, more than a nurse. Always.
0: There's so much more to you than just that title of being a nurse so fabulous love it thank you so much thank you make sure that you check out diana and uh, self-care catalyst all of the links will be in the bio until next time stay curious and stay safe thank you so much for your time diana thank
2: you i'm so happy thank you
0: (laughs) If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast episode please take a wee minute to leave a review it would mean the absolute world to me if you are ready to start taking action in your career and you need some support why wait come and join my private facebook community the link is in the show notes below within the community we take what we discuss in this podcast and we put it into action Currently, I am looking for nurses who are ready to stop playing small and invest in themselves to create the life and the career they want to live. If that sounds like you, then please get in touch. Until next time, thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay forever curious, my nursing friends.